This is Chad Brashears, and you're listening to Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. This podcast is about creating a behind-the-scenes look with coaches, fans, and reporters from our point of view, sharing cool stories as only we've lived them. The goal is for you to learn something new to help your life and allow yourself to take a break from everyday chaos and let us give you a behind-the-scenes look into our world. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Three, two, one. Good morning and welcome to Never My Wildest Dream podcast. Tuesday, January the 26th, 2021, day 26th, last Tuesday of the month. Hope your Tuesday morning is going well. A little cold and icy here this morning, even though we are on time to work. There is no two-hour delay. Let's start in the world of sports. First in the world of college basketball, Texas Longhorn coach Shaka Smart tests positive for COVID-19. His team was planning to play Oklahoma on Tuesday and Kentucky on Saturday. It is unclear whether each game will be impacted because of this positive test. And yesterday's games, Virginia trumps Syracuse 81-58, and West Virginia holds off Texas Tech 88-87. Mac McClung, who was a Georgetown player last year, went to Texas Tech, scored 30 last night in that game. In tonight's contests... Oklahoma is still at Texas. That game has not been postponed as of yet. Kentucky travels to Alabama. Mississippi State goes to Tennessee. Dayton is at St. Louis. And Missouri is at Auburn, all in top 25 matchups. In not top 25 matchups, the North Carolina Tar Heels travel to Pittsburgh. And Georgia Tech goes and plays at Duke. Duke is 5-5 on the season 3-3 in ACC play. And I am thinking that Georgia Tech is going to beat the Blue Devils at Cameron Indoor. Carolina is giving up three points in Pittsburgh. I do see that Carolina is going to win that game as well. Shifting ourselves south to the SEC. LSU travels to Texas A&M this evening. LSU is 10-4 and and giving up five points to Texas A&M, who is 7-6. And And rounding out games today worth watching, the Southern Illinois Salukis travel to Indiana State to play at the Holman Center in Terre Haute. That is college basketball. On to the NHL. The Penguins travel to Boston to play the Bruins, and the Islanders travel to the nation's capital to take on the Capitals in D.C. In the NBA, the Denver Nuggets beat the Dallas Mavericks 117-113. to Luka Doncic goes for 35 for the Mavericks, while Michael Porter Jr. comes off the bench for 30 for the Denver Nuggets. The Golden State Warriors beat the Timberwolves. Steph Curry goes for 36. The L.A. Lakers top... The Cleveland Cavaliers 115 to 108. Evidently, one of the owners or front office executives decided to talk trash to LeBron from the sideline. That pissed him off a little bit. He hangs 46 on his previous team. And in Brooklyn, the big three combined for 56 of the 98 points for the Brooklyn Nets, beating the Miami Heat 98 to 85. That is all for sports today. We will come back with Trust Tuesday segment next before we get everybody that's calling in on the phones today. We will be back right after this. Never in my wildest dreams podcast begins in three, two, one. Welcome back to Never My Wildest Dream podcast. We are here for the Trust Tuesday segment of our show. Excited about this one. Jim Carrey once said, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. You could spend your whole life imagining ghosts, worrying about the pathway to the future, but all there will ever be is what's happening here and the decisions that we make in this moment, which are based either in love or in fear. So many of us choose the path out of fear 
disguised as practicality. What we really want seems impossible of reach and ridiculous to expect, so we never dared ask the universe for it. I love this quote. It's one that I kind of read on a daily basis. It's because we never really do trust ourselves in that gut feeling to go after the big things. It's easy to live in comfort, you know, the simple job with the little salary that if we just stay here, we'll be okay. You know, we might be able to make our family vacation out of this budget, or we might be able to send our kids to college out of this little budget and stay in this house because it fits our budget. What if we just said, screw all that, we're gonna throw our eggs in a whole nother basket and we're gonna go make money and we're gonna go live the life that we want. Who cares if we have to pay a mortgage till we're 80? Hell, most people don't even make it to 80. Why would we not go take the trips? I'm not saying go crazy and think you gotta travel to Hawaii and go buy yourself a Maserati and become broke or Rolex for your wrist and become broke. I'm saying go live the life that's gonna be fun and make the memories now. Jimmy Buffett had a great quote, and he is one of my favorite singers, if not my favorite artist. I'd rather die while I'm living than live while I'm dead. I'd rather die while I'm living than live while I'm dead. And that is so true, and I chose to start living, and it's been the best decision. I have more fun in life now. I'm a lot looser in life now, and I'm going to continue to live that way while I'm on this earth. This is Trust Tuesday. Trust in the process. Trust in your gut. You know, maybe uh, go after something little. Say, you know what, I'm going to go after this one little thing. I'm going to try something a little bit different to see how it works out. I'm not saying quit your job and, you know, call up the mortgage company and say, hey, I'm, I'm broke now. I can't afford to live here. I'm saying take one little thing, such as maybe for me, a podcast, and try to build off of that and see what the next level is going to be. But you got to trust in yourself and you got to trust in the gut that's going to tell you it is the right decision that you're making. This is my Trust Tuesday segment. When we come back, we will have the phones open and ready to have conversations here on Never In My Wildest Dream podcast. Never In My Wildest Dreams podcast begins in... Three, two, one. Welcome back to Never My Wildest Dream Podcast. Looking forward to my next guest, Coach Hillary Scott. Hillary is the head coach at the University of Lynchburg. He started his playing career at EC Glass. He then went on to Roanoke College where he graduated as a 1,600-point scorer. He was part of Paige Moir's first recruiting class there at Roanoke. And Coach and I will talk about Paige a little bit here. He played professionally for three years, two years in Ireland, one year in England. He came back and coached for one year at Roanoke. He went to East Tennessee State after that, and I was fortunate enough to play against Coach when I was in college, and he was at ETSU. I do appreciate him putting the basketball court out in the middle of the football field. That was that was a lot of fun. After that, we went f- uh, five years at Penn State, and he is now in his 13th year at Lynchburg, and they're 2-0 and this year. Coach, I know you're busy and in the middle of schedule now, but I appreciate your time. Been great having you, man. Good, good having been on the call, and uh, it's been a while, man. So it's gonna be fun to catch up. It has been. I uh, I always enjoyed battling against you guys. I'm gonna throw this at you, and I wanna I wanna make sure I'm right here. The year you were at Roanoke, you guys lost in the NCAA tournament to Rowan, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? 
No, so that that would have been after us. Okay. So we we lost, uh, and, and of course you you brought that up. Um, you know, always hear you remember your losses more than you win sometimes. Mm-hmm. So we we lost in the NCAA tournament my senior year to Hampton Sydney. Actually. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so they so Hampton Sydney ended my in my basketball career. That was the third time we had played them that year, and we won the two previous meetings against them and they got us got us in the tournament at home uh mind you as well so good thing i've gotten over that chad you know what i mean i'm, <laughs> I'm glad I've, I've let that go and I'm, I'm sure you've kind of given it back to him a little bit now that you're back coaching in the odac um etsu when you were at etsu we were fortunate enough coach harris was able to set up a game and we came down and played you guys division one versus division three how was it coaching a game on a floor like that like out in the middle of nowhere like that yeah it's a little weird so how you describing it we we um the, the facility was called a mini dome so we, we we actually were one of the one of the you know few schools uh in the country who played football inside mm-hmm. and um so you know when football season was over our our we played our home games in the mini dome and so um you know, it was, it was a challenge, you know, for, for someone who played Division three basketball and, you know, playing these smaller venues. And mm-hmm. and um, so so being able to have those games in those spots, you know, by the time we left, uh, my, my, fifth, my last year there, I mean, our crowds were, were ridiculous. So, you know, it didn't seem as big when you got – I mean, it, it was actually great when you had a lot of folks in there. Uh, but, but, you know, some of our games where we didn't have many guys in there, our joke was uh, – you know, we can feel the buzz in the air, but too bad that's the lights that we hear. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and so the, the challenging thing, Jay, what was funny was practice. So we would practice, and, and the mini dome was a multi purpose facility. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'd be in the middle of practice, and, and you know, there's tennis courts set up around us. There's a there's an indoor track. Uh, the weight room is in one corner. There's a batting cage in another corner. And, you know, we used to always talk about how, you know, road games were nothing for us with all the distractions that we had during practice and with tennis balls flying on our court. You know, the starter, the first time I heard the starter pistol go off in practice scared the hell out of me. And uh, so we had all of these crazy distractions, you know, while we had practice. And so us going playing on the road was nothing for us because we were, we were used to that on a daily basis. I mean, I know following basketball and it's kind of it's taken you and taken me in these different paths and we've crisscrossed and you know become friends through that i was at juco and we were in hutchinson and steve forbes was coaching northwest florida state and then he became the head coach at etsu that sure is not the facility y'all coached in no so so now they moved uh so their home games now is is freedom hall which is a Basically, the city, the, the the Johnson City Civic Center. Gotcha. And we, we played one home game there when I was there. And I think that actually was my last. No, I was my, my second to my last year there. So our fourth year there, we played James Madison in Freedom Hall. Oh, nice. And I can remember, I can remember us saying, man, we should be playing our home games here. Like this mm. is a it's a perfect size facility for us. Probably yep. sat, you know, five or six thousand people. Yep. Um. And, and it was a great atmosphere. We won that game. Our guys played with tremendous juice. And and, um, and so we, I can remember us saying, man, we should play all our home games here. And, and now now that's where they play their home games. Um, 
and in the mini dome now they have uh, basically their practice facilities there gotcha gotcha yep. now you made the jump from there to penn state what was it like to get to that level of division one basketball what was that world like Man, it, man, that first year was just, I don't really remember a lot about it, just being on the road and collecting a, bu- a bunch of uh, frequent flyer miles for sure, man. <laughs> we were, we were, man, we hit the ground running um, and just, I just remember us recruiting like crazy when we first got there. And I, I, I can remember us missing games, you know, coach was like, hey, I, we need guys. So, you know, just go recruiting. And I can remember us. You know, myself and James Johnson, who's actually the assistant coach at NC State now. And um, <clears throat> I can remember us showing up to game days and not knowing what the scout was, and, mm-hmm. you know, barely knowing who we were playing and what they could do. And just, you know, just coming right off the off the tarmac to make it to the game and, and literally leaving the next day for for some more recruiting. And, and um, but it was a, it was an unbelievable experience just to be able to coach at that level and you know, to be in the Big Ten and, and, and see all of those teams up front and, you know, to be in those atmospheres, man, it was just a cool, it was just a really cool, um, you know, experience. We recruited some really good guys that, that we still stay in touch with today. And and Penn State's an awesome place, uh, just a, a, an unbelievable fan base, unbelievable alumni association. And, you know, I wish I had a dollar for as many people that saw me with my Penn State stuff on and say, hey, I'm a Penn Stater. I graduated this. and You know, I could be in North Dakota, California, Washington, all over the country, man. We ran across Penn Staters all over the place. So just an unbelievable experience. And, and man, learned a lot. Just learned a lot. Just, you know, in every aspect of, you know, run, you know, programs, X's and O's. You know, seeing other people's philosophies firsthand, man, just an unbelievable experience. <clears throat> After you left Penn State, you came home. And I'm saying yep. you came home because EC Glass is in Lynchburg, and that's where you grew up. Is that Was that one of the big reasons the Lynchburg job seemed like it was like the appetite? Man, I can get back around my family and do this job that I love? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was really the reason why I left, uh, you know, Penn State. It had nothing to do with you know, anything that was going on there, uh, it was just a lifestyle change for me. I just described, you know, the recruiting, um, just the time that went into that and, uh, you know, my, my, my mindset, philosophies, those things, priorities changed when I, when my wife started having kids Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, different story. My, my, my son was, uh, my son was born in July, which is maybe the worst time as a college <laughs> Division One coach is to, to, to have your wife expecting in July. We didn't plan that very well at all because that's that is the you know toughest part of the year in recruiting is July. That's the middle of AAU season, and, mm-hmm. and by the grace of God, he was born during the five day dead period. Uh, which that that was all God doing that, and um, but you know I. I you know, five days later, I was on the road recruiting, and I, you know, I thought to myself, man, this is this is kind of crazy that <laughs> I, I've got a five-day-old son at the house, and and um, you know, we we got to go out recruiting, and that's kind of where my mind changed a little bit. And uh, my daughter was born um, three years later, mm-hmm. and uh, just felt like it was kind of a time to 
you know, I've always had a soft spot for Division Three. I played it, yep. you know, coached there for a year and, and knew, know what the quality of basketball is. And, um, and like you said, it's home. You know, I literally grew up five minutes from campus here. Um, you pass, you pass, I passed, uh, you know, Lynchburg, University of Lynchburg, then Lynchburg College. I passed it every day going to high school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it was just, uh, you know, it was just, a, it was just time. It was time. And, um, you know, I thought this was a great move. I live in the same neighborhood as my parents. My sister lives a half mile down the road from us. Um, President Garen, who just recently retired, President Garen was my calculus teacher uh, at Roanoke College. And, How about and, that? Um, and so, just a lot of different factors were, were, were in the mix, and, and um, just uh, thought it was a good move. And it's, it's been it's been a great move, man, and uh, just an unbelievable move for us and my family. Well, you know, and we'll, we'll talk family because. So with me going to Goretti, one of the guys that I watched kind of grow up was Craig O'Connor. Craig became one of your buddies down at Roanoke College. So I got to know you kind of more through Craig than I mm-hmm. did the basketball world until I got back into coaching at the Division Three level. Um, yeah. You know, Craig, is he speaks nothing but very highly for you. So I kind of had an, a picture in my mind of who you were, what you were. I do remember meeting you at East Tennessee State. Um, yep. Yeah. And, you know, when we started battling against each other in the ODAC, you were one of the guys that I kind of looked up to, the way you coached, the way your kids played. And I try to emulate that now that I'm at South, you know, with different things. You run unbelievable sets, and your kids play really hard. And I, and I know that, you know, you take pride in how hard they play on defense. Were you able to take all that you learned from your third two, you know, from Penn State to Roanoke to playing for Page, East TSU? Yep to your 13 years now, or did you kind of like come into it and say, Hey, you know, I really like doing this and kind of funneled off into your own direction with some of that knowledge that you gained? Well, first of all, man, I appreciate you, you saying all that. And, uh, man, send me, send me the invoice or whatever. I got to pay you for, for <laughs> saying all those nice things about me. Man. I appreciate that. Um, you I mean, as you know, this Chad, man, your, your coaching philosophies are all molded from, all of those experiences you just described, man, from playing to, you know, the coaches that you've had over the years. And I think I've always felt like you can learn something from every experience, good or bad. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be an experience and say to yourself, like, I'm never doing that, you know, if I ever get a chance to coach. Or you can say, hey, I'm still in this. And, and I, think, I think my philosophy, first of all, was based a lot on, um, <clears throat> you know, my, my – one of my, my biggest mentors is, is Paige Moyer and, and and probably another big mentor in my coaching realms is, is Ed DeCellis, who I, who, I, who I worked for for 10 years. So I first got the job here, man, a lot of what, what we did. And we still see a lot of that today, but um, was molded and, and kind of my foundation was laid on really those two guys. And, and then I just, you know, of all your travels, I just pick and choose a lot of things that I like. Um either watching folks play or, you know, going to watch a practice. You know, one one of the things we do in practice at the end of every practice after we, you know, come together is I make sure everybody daps each other up before we leave. And I, and I saw that on the road. Um, I was recruiting out in Kansas and I saw a JUCO coach. They were doing it. And, mm-hmm. and I said, I said, coach, you make your guys come dap. Does everybody have to dap up? It was like it was it was so it was so uh, evident, right, that everybody was doing it. And 
no kid left the gym without dapping each other up and dapping their coaches up. And I asked coach after I said, do you make these guys do that? And he was like, yeah, we do that because that's my, that's my way of saying, Hey, whatever happens on the court is done on the court. You know, we're yelling, we're screaming, we're competing. I like but that. at the end of the day, we're still brothers. And, and I was like, man, I like that. And so we, 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 we've done that, you know, my, my 13 years here, we've done that after every practice, after every workout, every game, every meeting, whatever it is, we, we have to do that. And, um, you know, so you just kind of build some things over the years. And um, also a lot has to do with, you, you know, your guys, um, what they can and can't do. And sometimes you have to adjust to those things. You try to recruit to your system. But, you know, at, at this level, man, you're trying to get good players. And, and so, you know, sometimes those players uh, are different you know, over the years. So um, I think what you've described, you know, my philosophy is kind of molded and warped into some different things over the years, but you hope to have some, you know, some foundational stuff that, that are just non-negotiables. Well, you know, the one thing I'm going to say is you're a really good recruiter. You bring in dudes. And for my four years at Shenandoah University, I had Lynchburg scout every single time. So I had to know your stuff inside and out. And right. I'm going to give you a little story. I don't know if I've ever told you this story or not. Zach Burnett's a freshman. And Zach had been struggling early on. Like, you knew what you recruited. If I'm rem- if I'm wrong in this, just, just say, hey, coach, hold up real quick. Yep. But he had struggled early on shooting the basketball, if I'm not mistaken. And we played you early. And then he had, like, a coming out party against us. Because I did, like, he can't coach. He, he's, like, he's streaky. Like, he's not, yeah. you know, solid. Yeah, he just completely lit us up. I got lit up in the locker room after that game because I messed right. up that scout pretty good. Right. Because if I'm not mistaken, he had, like, a big three down the stretch. So his freshman year, that's funny. I, I think he was probably just going through some freshman stuff. Yep. Um, but I tell you, he started for us as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And, he did. I mean, you know how hard that is in any level, right? To to have freshmen start um, for you, and him beat out some upperclassmen, mm-hmm. and um, you know we felt like, you know, from day you know from day one, like he stood out, right? And we're mm-hmm. like, man, this kid is going to be good. He's going to be really good. He was strong. He was tough. Good body. You know, he could yeah, good body. He could score it in really different ways. He could shoot. He could put it on the floor. He could finish. And I thought the thing that really separated him more than anything is freshman year. I thought he was a really good defender. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those are the things that keep freshmen from playing. It's just, you know, them struggling a little bit on the defensive end with the, you know, the quickness, the speed, the physicality, you know, being in the right spots. You know, th- th- those are the things that, that, that freshmen struggle with the most. But, man, that was one of the things I felt like stood out from him early was, man, he could really defend. And, um, you know, so putting all those things together and he could guard, man, we were like, okay, we, we got, he's got a chance to be really good. But funny, funny story with him is, is we we actually got involved with him late. Um, you know, he was not one of those guys that, you know, as you know, you typically, you know, have those guys you spend, you know, one to two years recruiting the heck out of and, 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 but he was one of those guys that we actually got involved with late in the process and um and man we, we're 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 fortunate enough to you know scoop that up and, and obviously the rest is history man he was a player of the year senior year he was second team all-american and 
on our 2016 uh, conference championship team. So he, he was a really good one for us. Yeah, he he was solid. I mean, you had <clears throat> some guys that I just remember. You know, you had Austin, you had Alex, you had yeah. Burnett. I mean, yeah. that, that entire team – if one dude's having an off day, the next day, you know, somebody else yeah. take, takes over. And and that's mm-hmm. that was the fun part about having to figure out how to scout you guys. I am going to ask you about one game, though, where you set, I think, the record for the most points scored yeah. in double overtime, yeah. right, against yeah. Roanoke? Yeah, so we, that was against Roanoke. That was actually Coach Moyer's last year at Roanoke. Um, and the crazy thing about that game, Chad, that was the second to the last game of the year. Mm-hmm. Um. We were tied with Roanoke. Um, I think we both were tied for second place behind Virginia Wesleyan. Correct. I think we were a game behind Wesleyan at the time. So that was on a Wednesday night. Uh, We had Roanoke on a Wednesday night, and then we had Virginia Wesleyan on Saturday. So it was a a great setup for us, right? I mean, you want to talk about controlling your destiny. That's what we felt like. So Wesleyan was a game ahead of us. And um, we played Roanoke on a Wednesday night. Roanoke, Coach Moyer, his last year, kind of played a modified Grinnell style, right, mm-hmm. where they wanted to shoot it quick. They shot shot a ton of threes. You know, he wanted to get up a shot in the first four seconds of the shot clock. And and, um, and they were scoring a ton of points that year and, and having some, some, some really good success uh, playing that way. You know, averaging over 100 points a game. I mean, it was just you know one of those one of those teams he had. And you know, my philosophy, Chad, is 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 when teams press us, like I want I want I want to make them pay, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I've just I've always had that kind of mindset where you know folks want to press us, then then I don't want to pull it out and run something once we break it. Like I want to get a layup or we'll take an open shot. Mm-hmm. So we essentially. Ran with them. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what it boiled out to. Was you know, we, we ran with them, and um, you know, I like to play up tempo, and, and I'd rather us get a shot before we turn it over. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the next thing you know, it's um, you know, seventy one seventy. They were up seventy one to. I think it was like seventy one sixty three at the half, and it was one hundred and thirty one apiece at the end of regulation. Yep. Um, but the crazy thing about that game, Chad, is we got word probably in the first overtime that Wesleyan had lost that night. Did they? Yeah. So somebody had told me in the middle of a timeout, said, hey, coach, Wesleyan lost tonight, which meant if we won, we would be tied with them and going into that game, that game or, or Chad, they might've been two games ahead of us, actually. They might have been two games ahead of us because we actually got the tiebreaker. We played Wesleyan. So we won. We beat Roanoke. It was 160 to 156. Yep. Double overtime. Uh, Austin Arnold had 40 that night. Uh, Bobby Ford had 25 or <clears throat> he had like eight threes in the game. I mean, everybody yep. scored. It was yep. ridiculous. And um, but what that what that win did for us and Wesleyan losing, I think that put Wesleyan up one up a game. And so when we won, we end up beating Wesleyan on Saturday at home mm-hmm. for senior day. It, we won the tiebreaker. 
yep. which gave us the number one seed. So it was just it was just a crazy week. And I don't you you were you were, you were gone by then, right? Were you, were you gone or were you still were you still there? I, I was still I was still in school up through. We we our last season there was twenty seven the twenty sixteen twenty seventeen season. So I was gotcha. still in the conference at that time. Right. So so we had just played you guys the weekend before. Mm-hmm. Um. <clears throat> So that was the Wednesday game. Roanoke, we played you guys on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I just remember us, we had lost to Randolph before we played you. Mm-hmm. And just not, a, just not a good feel at all, right? Just the guys were just, I could tell they were just like, man, we've thrown this away. We've had a chance. You know, we're not going to win. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I just remember us at your place that, that game. We did, we, we were, we did not play great that first half. We were awful. Mm-hmm. And it was just, just you could just tell, like playing, playing, just playing not to lose. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And just, um, and I can remember telling my staff, and I'm probably long winded answer for you, but I can remember telling my staff at halftime, I'm like, man, this is not one of these halftimes. I need to go in and rip them. Like, a, like we need to, we need to have a different tone to this, right? And right. I just remember telling them a joke. Uh, um, cause I think it was Valentine's day actually. So I, I, I had made some Valentine's day, February the 13th, 13th, right? Yep. There it is. <clears throat> and, um, so I remember saying something, you know, going in the huddle, going out for the second half that, that I hoped to loosen this up a little bit. And we, we played better the second half and I think it was a tight game. I feel like we always have tight games with you guys. We did. Um, and and it was we, we we squeaked out one at your place yep. that that Saturday and um, I felt like that was a, a, a great win for any time you win in this league is a great win but yeah. but I felt like you know leading into that last weekend man we we needed that one bad so yeah. I, I can also remember that going into that game I, I told my staff I said this is going to be one of those games where we where we will have no control whatsoever of this game. Right. We, other than we're just subbing guys and right. let's just sit back and have some fun and watch it. And, yep. and that's what, that's what happened. I mean, Paige and I joke about it all the time and, and um, you know, we've worked some camps over the years with, with some of his former players who were on that team. And uh, they talk about like, they, they couldn't believe that we were running with them. Like they, most teams want to break the press and pull it out, and shorten the game and less possessions and, and they couldn't believe we actually jumped out on them. We were up 18 at one point in the first half, and um, and I think part of that was shock because they didn't they didn't think we would be running with them. No, not at but, all. But it was a fun game. Obviously, a fun game to win for sure. Oh my goodness! I remember watching the. You know how like you. I don't know how it was for you, but like you got done your your the end of the game. You talked to the team. You talk yep. to your staff, or the staff had a conversation. Next thing you do, you pull out your phone and you go right to the REC website and you're scrolling through to see who won, who lost, who did what. Yep. And I remember reading yep. that and I was like, 160 to 156? Right. Are you kidding me? What are we playing? <laughs> NBA Jam down there? That's crazy. Right. And Chad, the other crazy thing was, like, I felt the crowd was getting bigger and bigger as the night went on. So it was a, it was a really good crowd for us on a Wednesday night. And it's, and usually we, you know, Roanoke is, is one of those teams where, you know, we, we have someone to rivalry with. And, mm-hmm. and so we had a good crowd to start the game. But I think as the as madness the got out. continued throughout the game, <laughs> folks yep. were on their phones. And, man, by the time that second overtime, 
I mean, I don't know if there was an empty seat in the house, man. It was crazy how just people just kept piling in as the game kept going. And um, I don't know where they were coming from. I don't know if they were coming from class and they stopped studying or, you know, what. But, but man, by the time that that game, you know, the zeros finally went off, man, it was a, it was a, it was a crazy atmosphere in there. I bet it was. Yeah. Um, real quick, wanted to ask you what, for my listeners and for people who really don't understand the gig and you're getting, you being in this gig your entire professional career, Describe what it's like to be a student athlete and what you feel as though a successful student athlete looks like. Right. Well, I think at this level, man, I, I think you, I think you said, it, man, we're, we're just a student first. I mean, and, and everything, everything that we do uh, here has evolved around um, students and student life. So um, those things come priority. So class, you know, uh, tutoring sessions. Um, meetings with professors, um, you know, those things, group, group projects, th- those things um, take precedence over anything that we do basketball-wise. So, um, you know, so when we talk about a student athlete, I mean, that that comes first. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, from where we schedule practice times to when we leave for games to <clears throat> all of those things are really predicated on what our guys' schedules looks like. And, you know, so when we sit down and map out our schedule for the semester, man, we, we, we have a, you know, huge Excel file, uh, Excel sheet file and, and with, with all our guys' schedules on it. And that's how we come up with lifting times and that's when we come up with practice times and when we watch film and, and, and now the things that we're doing now, COVID-related, you know, all those things are predicated around classes. And, and for me, that's first and foremost. I want these guys to get out of here um, with a degree they can be proud of and, and, and a GPA they can be proud of as well. So mm-hmm. we, we, we spend a lot more time probably talking, you know, academics than we do basketball because we see basketball every day once we're in season, right? Absolutely. And so um, we, we spend a lot of time really harping on academics. And, um, you know, it's not cheap to go to school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so our priorities is for these guys to get out. We'd love for them to be here the rest of their lives. But you know, our priority is to get these guys out in four years and they can get, a, you know, get into a profession uh, where they can take care of themselves and, and hopefully a family in the future. And, you know, one of the things we've talked about this year is, is um, and the mantra I stole from um, my good friend, uh, Colonel Joe Schrantz, uh, which is a Marine monster, he talks about sustaining the transformation. And it just goes through just the, the, the process of becoming a Marine. And it's just eerie as you read the document, just just how the how that parallels to college. Um, you know, your, 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 your typical duration of uh, being enlisted is four years. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly what you want from a college degree. You know, from being a Marine, it starts from being recruited. Um, you know, to the training of the recruit, to you know, the cohesion of your team. I mean, all of these things are, are such parallels to what we try to do here. And ultimately, you want them to to be you know citizens mm-hmm. and, and be great Marines once they leave. Right. Uh, you know, whenever that is, and, that, and that's the same thing we want here. We want, we want our folks to be great citizens when they leave here and learn something. Um, and be better when they get out of here. So, I mean, it, so take for instance yesterday, Chad. Like 
yesterday was our first day of class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I text them yesterday what the schedule was for today, just in terms of basketball related stuff. So um, we, we tested yesterday at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. They lifted at two. Um, we had a film session at 430 and, and then we practiced at 830 last night. And so, and that doesn't include all of the class time that they had on the first day. And right. I texted to them and I was sitting to my staff. I was like, God, man, they got a lot going on today, this first first day. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, it's going to be interesting to see what practice looks like because these dudes' brains going to be fried, you know, just to scramble from all of the craziness that went on. And I thought we had a really good practice last night. A lot of yeah. energy, a lot of enthusiasm, the focus was there. And, and so I, you know, I mentioned that to us. I mean, I give y'all a lot of credit to to go through what we went through yesterday, um, and 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 have a great practice. And so that's what a typical day looks like. You know what I mean? Woke up this morning, so we practiced from eight thirty to ten thirty. I got home about eleven forty five last night. Yep. And 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 you know, we turned around and had the test this morning at eight a.m. COVID test. So. Yep. It's just, it's different. And it I say that all the time. Like, this is a fraternity, not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So, That's a fact. And, it, uh-huh. it, and I miss the grind some days. You know, I love being at the high school yeah. level and running my own program. But there's some days I miss the grind of the, the recruiting and the late night film yeah. sessions and all that fun stuff. Because I see you guys got yeah. uh, Sydney tomorrow night, right? We do. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah. And all, I mean, yeah. And, and, so another, another tough one coming up. And, and, hey, the ODAC is, it's... Any given Sunday in that league, that's that's one of those it. things. If you don't show up, you're going to get exposed really fast. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. Well, Coach, I know you're a busy guy. I appreciate your time. I wanted to, like I said, get you on. I, I've always looked up to you in a lot of facets, not just basketball, but the way you carry yourself, especially the way you dress. I had to throw that in there. Sharpest dressed guy in the ODAC. <laughs> now we're talking dress. Now I'm, 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 man. Come on, man. You've set the tone for a lot of things, <laughs> my man. And uh, I missed, I miss seeing what your attire looks like every time we get together and watching you on tape as well. I tried to spit some up against you guys. I tried. I had like an outfit. Fit always picked out. I when we lied to Lynchburg, like man, I got to throw something on because Hillary gonna come out smooth tonight. <laughs> hey, it's so funny now, man. We've gone, we've gone to the NBA bubble, uh, NBA bubble attire now, man. So I'm actually starting to dig a little bit, Chad. Like we, we're showing up uh, with our, with our, um, we shoot, we wore hoodies our first game and and, um, and sneakers and it kind of has a practice and, and scrimmage feel to it. So I, I'm actually actually digging it a little bit. They don't have to, you know, worry about all of that stuff. It's yeah. crazy. I know. I'm. I'm still debating if I'm gonna like, you know, rock the uh, the mouthpiece or the mouth covering as like an ascot on the sideline and just pull it up <laughs> and up and down when I go. Hey, if you decide to do that, let me know, man. Because I got, I got, you got some, some pictures on that one. I, I will. S- I will text you pictures if we go that direction. So. Yeah, please do, man. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. I, uh, I know you had a busy day getting ready for Sydney tomorrow, coming into town in Lynchburg, but I appreciate you yeah. being on. Yeah, man, thanks for having me, bro. Good I appreciate luck to you, all right? Thank you. Yeah, man. I really appreciate Coach being on. I know he's busy. He's got Hampton Sydney coming into town. The Tigers are nothing to slough at, um, but he was able to take a couple minutes and be with us, and that was awesome for me. I really appreciate that. This is your Trust Tuesday. I hope you guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. I hope uh, you guys maybe check out Hillary, check out the University of Lynchburg. You'll see what they do down there. He does unbelievable things at a great school. 
and they're going to be really successful this year. They're 2-0. and Like I said, tomorrow night they play Hampton-Sydney at 7 o'clock on campus, and we will talk to you when we get back tomorrow on Wednesday. Until then, thank you for listening to Never My Wildest Dreams podcast.